All right, we're still digging in Genesis. And that that's hard to imagine because I don't want to dig anywhere around this part of the country right now. It, it would hurt. It will physically hurt you to go dig a hole in this. I mean, <laughs> you're always giving me the thumbs up. I don't want to go build fence right now. Because, or at least not without a lot of machines helping me because the ground is very very hard and and looking at this every week as I as I keep digging in Genesis I think man how hard has Genesis been for me to dig in that I've missed this stuff how, how did I allow that lullaby effect that we talked to make me just sleep through God revealing himself in a book that Genesis translates origins, that, that in the beginning, God was revealing himself to us in a powerful way. And uh, last week's message will probably be one of my favorites for a long time. The, the fact that God set his bow in the clouds and he promised that he was not going to be the aggressor towards mankind ever again and and then if you had a chance to catch the podcast uh the i'll sum it up in a very simple friendly way for children because something awful happened to noah at the hands of one of his kids he placed a curse on his grandkid and it was a misplaced curse and and noah showed that in in trying to bear God's image, we often blow it and we don't know and we don't lean into God enough to understand when to stop creating or when to stop destroying. And, and that brings us to part six, which I just, I, I stole from Tolkien, I'm not gonna lie. I, I like the Lord of the Rings series. And, and we're not talking about Mordor here, but if you're nerdy enough to get that reference, I titled this message, The Dark Tower. And, but before we get into that, we have to work on just getting a baseline of understanding different languages. So we're going to use English language from another country where it means different things. This is Australian, okay? This is not a Foster's commercial. I'm not teaching you how to speak Australian, but, and my Australian friends will be like, dude, your accent's terrible, but that's okay. Uh, the first thing, it, raise your hand if you know what these mean. My kids will know because they watch a lot of Bluey. Uh, some of you may or may not know. What do you, how many of you know what a bonnet is in Australia? Raise your hand. Hi, Manning children. You know that one. How many of you know what a boot is? Now the kids are all going to giggle because how many of you know what a dunny is? All right, I knew the giggles were coming. <clears throat> they might not know this one. Do you know what brekkie is? Oh, Audrey knows brekkie. Okay. Uh, how many of you knew what chook was when they, they did that episode about the 80s and they were calling each other chooks? Do you know what a chook is? You're going to learn today. And they've never heard this term because it hasn't been used in Bluey, and I threw it in here just to keep them guessing. 
How many of you know what a shark biscuit is? All right. I'm going to reveal all these things to you because it, it helps lay the foundation a little bit because these are all English words except for brekkie and chook. Okay, those aren't really English. Those are true native Australian terms like get I might throw another shrimp on the babby. That is all Australian. A bonnet is the hood of a vehicle. The boot is the trunk of a car. A dunny is another term for the bathroom. Brekkie is how they say breakfast. Chook is a chicken. And a shark biscuit is a child at the beach being unsupervised. I didn't put the last part on there, but <laughs> Jovi's like, that is awful. <laughs> so <clears throat> I threw that out there because we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. And, and even languages that sound really similar are still confused or the, the Hebrew word there is mixed for the purpose of separation, which is very tricky because you don't think about mixing something to separate it. In Genesis, and we're going to begin back in chapter 10, and the only reason I did this is for my brain to, to tie the two stories together because the end of the story of Noah flows right into the story of Babel. And uh, there's actually in the Hebrew another one of those chiasms there that if you'll go all the way to the end of uh, the early parts of chapter 11, you know, you get to the end of 11 and this a similar phrasing comes in. And in the Hebrew, if you get to the middle of it to give away the mystery early, the the word at the middle of the chiasm is scattered or dispersed, which may mean nothing to you until we're done today. But in Genesis chapter 10, these are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies in their nations, and from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Okay, that's a, that's a minor inaccuracy because they don't spread across the earth until after the Tower of Babel. But we'll, we'll be kind to the writers of Genesis because they were setting up that chiasm. Uh, now the whole earth had one language and the same words as people migrated to the east. This says from the east, but it is to the east. They're migrating east from Eden. And they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Your translation may say they found a plain in the land of Shinar near Babylon. Depends on translation there. <clears throat> and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks. Let me tell you, that's what I want to do. That, that's, I want to make bricks. That sounds fun. Not really. Anyway, and burn them thoroughly. Weird rabbit I won't chase far in the Hebrew. The, the word bricks means burn bricks. And then it says burn them again. So it's like they're twice fired, but that's means nothing. Okay, I'm just getting it out. I don't have my ADD notes here. Okay, and they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. That translates all kinds of crazy ways. One of them is slime. 
One of them is pitch and the other is tar, which it's really, really funny because when you go back and you read into the Hebrew, the, the type of brick they're talking about is a white brick. And, and to make bricks means to make white. And then the later definition is bricks. And it's like purified through fire, all kinds of fun stuff you can dig into and get lost going down and down and down like the rabbit and uh, going down the rabbit hole in the I can't even find the name. Through the looking glass. Alice in Wonderland. There we go. <laughs> and, and they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Ugh. The more I see that in scripture, the more I just shudder when I hear somebody say, make a name for themselves. It just, and we'll get back to it. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. They're living an Adidas commercial. Nothing is impossible. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there all over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. This is an artist rendition of the Tower of Babel. Uh, I can't accurately say if this is exactly what the city would have looked like. It's really hard for me to buy into the fact that from what I studied in Scripture, that white block would not have a really dark mortar between it because everything that's described in the Hebrew says it's like a dark, like tar-like slime. So I, I can't see them. But who knows? If these people could build a tower that was going to reach the heavens... Maybe they found a way to scrape that stuff clean. I, I don't know. I'm not a brick master. I'm not even a Lego master, okay? Yeah, I got Audrey to laugh. But right at the beginning of the story, we see people moving east. And I want, I want to help unpack that really quickly. Over and over and over in Scripture, when Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden, where do they move? They move east. Okay, and you're going to see this over and over in the early parts of the introduction in Genesis 1 through 11. People continue to move east, which is moving away from the presence of God because God's presence was symbolized with Eden in the west. So they're moving to the east and they are organizing. Okay, I want you to understand evil does not want to hang out in the presence of God. So it is going to move from the presence of God and it is going to try and organize and it organizes at a rapid pace. Okay, it organized very rapidly before the flood. And what did God have to do? He had to wipe out mankind because every imagination of their heart was evil all of the time. And what's happening again here right after Right after the story of Noah, people are moving to the east and they're organizing rapidly. We're seeing, as a history teacher, bells are going off for me. We're seeing history repeat itself. 
And I want you to see that these parallels are happening in this introduction. And, you know, the, the two stories, creation and the flood, you have creation. You have the Sabbath. God stops creating because he knows when to say enough. The garden is planted. There's the eating of fruit. After the eating of fruit, bad things happen. There's a covering of nakedness. There's cursing. And it ends up with Abel being a wanderer. Or Cain being a wanderer. Sorry, Cain killed Abel. Abel's not wandering. You can't go far when you're dead. Then you get the flood parallel. The flood where God in essence, recreated the earth. And then God allowed that period of rest during the, the calming of the water coming down. God stops destroying. Then we see a vineyard, which is a type of garden planted. We see the partaking of fruit. Instead of eating it this time, we're drinking it. Bad things happen. A covering of nakedness and cursing. So what falls next? is wandering. And I, I'm blown away that those parallels are there and I never saw them. And all of the people had one language. And, and their communication, the way it's described here, is perfect. There were no miscommunications among them. Can you imagine that with your spouse? That you never miscommunicate. I wonder if people during this period, you know, well, honey, I just didn't hear you. I wonder if that happened. Because <laughs> they, they were all one language. But when we go back and look closer at the narrative, there's actually two different conversations that take place. And we... When we lullaby it, we tend to just run them together. The, the first conversation is, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. The, the first conversation was a, a conversation of, hey, let's create something. That there's nothing really to build with here, so let's create something. Innovation. Technology. Have any of you ever thought of a brick as technology? Because it was technology. Every time the new technology comes out, we get excited about it. What are we on now? The iPhone 14? You know, <clears throat> imagine that day, the brick 14. We got the right mixture of grass and mud and clay, and we fired it at just the right temperature. It's a thousand times harder than brick one. We, we kind of over, over just skip over that because we want to get to building the tower. How many bricks do you think it was going to take to build a tower to the heavens? And not just a tower, but a city. We always make jokes during basketball season if we're putting up enough bricks to build a new gym. But that's a lot of bricks. I mean, you would have to be some terrible shooters to make enough bricks to, to rebuild the gymnasium in Laverne. It's a brick gym. Ours is more concrete and steel. That one's got brick. And it makes more sense in Laverne. It doesn't make sense that we use brick at Buffalo. We, we don't have a lot of bricks. We got some cinder block, but not much. The bricks were the new technology. 
Then they said, I, I've skipped over that phrase over and over. Then they said, they got all these bricks laying around. Well, we got to do something with them. Anybody ever get that feeling in life where, hey, you know, I've just got to do something. Uh, I'm telling you, when you get that, hey, I just got to do something feeling, simmer down now. Simmer down. Because it may not be the right thing to do. And they're going to find this out because come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Let us make or acquire, we've heard that before, a name for ourselves so we can settle and not have to be wanderers. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built and the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. I read that, and, and I have questions. Well, God, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? They're actually working together. I have five kids, and if they were all actually working together to clean our house, it still wouldn't get clean. Okay. Anyway, imagine if they were all, and I begin to look a little deeper at this, and, and I think, you know, mankind, if they were all united for one thing, What's that one thing going to look like? And God said, you know, they've, they've got one language. They're all united. And, and because of that, nothing will be impossible for them. My, my question is, and, and I have the, the lens of history to look through, when you get a group of people all united for one thing, how many times does it turn out good? Looking back, if you were a, even an average history student, how many times did it really turn out good when you got all the people working for one thing? It, it makes me shudder because there, there's a, a government ideology that a lot of people think is a great thing because all the people are working for one thing. That terrifies me. And, and I think... God stepping in here, and this is not a, a government lecture, I promise, but God stepped in here because he saw the hearts of men because if they're all united for one thing, what was the one thing they were united for here? We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to make a name for ourselves so that we don't ever have to wander again. We don't have to explore we don't have to go do anything else. Completely contradictory to what God wanted for them. What did God say when they came off the ark? Be fruitful and multiply. And He gave them the same listing of commands that He gave Adam. That go and subdue the earth. 
Go exercise dominion over the animals. And what are all these yahoos saying? We're going to build us a city and we're going to be right here. Because this is what we want. God started the story by affirming the goodness of creation all the way back to the Garden of Eden. If you go all the way back, what does God say about creation? It's good. And what does He say about man? It's very good. And He invited humanity to join Him in trusting Him and trusting the story that He was telling and to join Him in His rest. Adam and Eve failed to trust God. They failed to trust the story. And they failed to master their desires and they failed to say enough to their creativity. In a sense, they pressed down and pursued themselves. Cain is invited to trust God's goodness and to avoid the consequences that our insecurities and fear bring to us, but he fails as well. I didn't slide that in there, but he, he fails because he's afraid he won't be remembered. And then God reaffirms the goodness of creation in the story of the flood. He recreates creation in a sense. And you could say that Noah steps right out of the ark and he pursues revenge, trying to step into the role of God trying to become the Creator, not knowing when to say enough and not knowing when to stop destroying. Here we find ourselves in what seems to be an escalating narrative where man's rebellion has started to organize itself after eating from the tree of knowledge. Mankind is beginning to look a lot like God, but not in a way that is helpful or beneficial to God's plan. Man's rebellion started with a sense of exploration. And God longs to use that to draw us closer to Him. The rebellion of man had organized itself into everyone working for this one thing to make a name for themselves. And nowhere, nowhere in Scripture does God say that you're called to make a name for yourself. The New Testament reaffirms this because Paul says, consider yourselves when you were called that not many of you were notable in society. Not many of you were wealthy. Not many of you powerful or of great influence. But God chooses the nobodies of this world to bring His Word, to bring enlightenment, to show the world that He is the somebody. God shows up. He says, let us go down there and confuse their language. And I love that that's what God did because you're fixing to see something that stood out to me this week and just blew my mind. God confused their language so that they didn't understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there all over the earth and they left off building the city. Can you imagine being in the middle of a work project and all of a sudden the person next to you just starts speaking gibberish? We're building a wall together, Koi and I, and all of a sudden, I'm asking Koi to hand me a hammer, and he looks at me and goes, <laughs> I'm like, Koi, I need a hammer. And all Koi hears from me is, <laughs> I 
I mean, this happened the other day on the cell phone. I called Denise to tell her, Winston is in the backyard. Don't let anybody leave the gate open. He'll run out. And she's like, I didn't get any of that. I heard, and then her microphone on her phone cut out. And I'm like, I didn't get any of that. And I said, Winston is in the backyard. I'm not getting any of that. It's just louder. And, And I look at it and I'm like, as I look at this story, I'm like, God, that's brilliant. Because by the time we got off the phone, I'm ready to throw my phone through the wall because I'm mad at her. And, and she's probably ready to throw hers out the window of the van because she's mad at, at me and the phone. And, and you look at the Tower of Babel when they can't understand each other. Praise God they didn't start throwing bricks at each other. They just dropped their bricks and left. Find some people that you can understand and let's go. I don't want to hang around these people because Coy's screaming gibberish at me. And Coy's like, I don't want to hang around JJ. He's screaming gibberish at me and he just, he gone. But I want us to see the things that God didn't do. God didn't come down and say, you made bricks, that's it. I'm going to rain down fire and brimstone. He didn't punish them for building bricks. It never says he outright condemned them for building bricks or building the city. I think sometimes we get caught up in condemning the technology instead of realizing every bit of tech that God allows us to develop. We're called to figure out how to use it for his glory. And if we can't figure it out, then maybe leave the brick alone and go. Because not every ancient civilization ends up using bricks. He never condemned the project. He never said, man, that's a terrible idea that they're going to build that tower to heaven. He just said if they can do the course they're on, they can do anything. And I know them. They're going to do something bad. He never said building the tower was bad. And he never pronounces a curse. He never cursed them. He just went down and confused the language for the sake of mixing and separating. Why? Why confuse the language? God confuses the language to make mankind change their ways in order to make progress. They can still build the tower. He never said they couldn't, but they're going to have to figure out how to communicate with people who don't sound like them and act like them anymore. We're just like them. Now we have to learn the language of others. And in the process of learning someone else's language, you're going to learn their perspective or at least a little bit about it. And for the sake of of progress, for the sake of building, we have to learn to lay aside our desires for the sake of being able to work together. When I saw that, when God opened that up, it just blew my mind. Because what has God called us to do? 
He's called us to share the gospel and to build his kingdom. And we're having to do that with people who don't speak the same language. They don't speak the language of Jesus loves you. They don't understand that. They, they don't speak the language of for God so loved the world. They, they don't understand that. How could God love the world and all this awful stuff is happening? And we have to learn to see their perspective. We have to learn to look as the, the old hymn says, look beyond their faults and see their need. Jesus did all that because he's a friend of sinners. Jesus hung out with the people that didn't fit in with the religious crowd. Jesus was a master at speaking the language of the hurting of the broken, of the poor in spirit. But Jesus could hold his own with the religious people. I know I'm hard on them a lot, but Jesus held his own with them and was always willing to entertain people who were genuinely seeking after God. The, the conversations between Jesus and Nicodemus are some of my favorite scriptures. We talked about him a few a few weeks ago on Sunday night, Jairus was a religious leader, a, a legal religious leader. He was a politician. And Jesus spoke a language to him that he could understand. God didn't punish mankind at Babel. He gave them a redemptive project that helps us become the people who grow into the part of humanity that bears His image. To grow into the part of humanity that knows when to say enough. The part of humanity that knows to trust the story. To trust the Word of God. Anytime, if you're confused about the story, let me simplify it. It's the Word of God. It's the continuing narrative that we are all a part of. If you think the Bible ended because John penned Revelation... That's not true at all. We're still living the Bible. And we become the part of humanity that finds Him as a place of rest. You're that wandering spirit, that never feeling like you're really settled. God doesn't condemn that. God invites that because that's the part of you that is seeking Him. Because the only place you're ever going to feel home is in His presence. That's why God wants them to wander. He doesn't want them to settle in a land they choose. Chasing after their desires. Chasing after their name. God wants them to wander and find their way back to Him. And He's going to He's going to find a guy who's willing to do that. He's going to find a guy who figures out the only home he ever needs is in God. And, and that's where we're headed next. We're, we're getting out of the prequel 
and into the narrative and and we're going to find out what kind of person God would choose to reach out to humanity through. What kind of person God wants us to be. And if you want to read ahead and start looking and start trying to pick it apart, because maybe, maybe I'm just handing you the shovel. It's a guy named Avram. We call him Abram. And don't jump ahead to the part where he had many sons. Or you miss a lot of the story. So this week is... As you go through your week, ask God to help you to remember how to speak the language of the lost. To speak the language of the people that you're called to build the kingdom with. You're not called to build the kingdom in them. Jesus will do that. But you're called to build the kingdom with them. And if they're busy building a kingdom for themselves, they're not building the kingdom we're working on. And how will they know? Paul asked that question. How will they know if no one goes and tells them? If no one shares the good news with them? And you have to share it in a language they'll understand. So when we leave church today, it's like we're leaving Babel. Except we're going to come back and nobody brings bricks. Okay? The, the bricks, in case you're wondering, are a prequel. The, the fact that this new and great technology was built, it's going to precede another group of wanderers in Egypt. But that's just a freebie. So let's pray and get out of here today.